This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to The Business of Healthcare. Welcome back. This is The Business of Healthcare on Sirius XM 111. I'm Pratushi Alamanchi, your host for today's show. I'm a fourth-year med student here at Penn and a MBA student at the Wharton School. If you'd like to join today's conversation, give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. I'm thrilled to introduce my next guest, Christina Farr, who joins us on the line. Christina is a tech and healthcare reporter for CNBC.com. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thanks so much for having me on. Great. Um, So before we jump into today's discussion about the intentionally vague announcement last week by Amazon, I'd love to hear about you. Um, As a journalist, how did you begin covering health and technology? Yeah, great question. Um, So I started out just covering tech. Um, So I was doing kind of all the consumer apps, um, social media, that kind of thing. And I quickly realized that um, I wanted something that was a little bit more of a challenge um, and what is more complicated than healthcare. Sure. Um, So that's that's how I got into kind of covering the intersection of the two. Uh, And it proved to be a really great um, beat, uh, as we call it in journalism, which is basically just the sector that you cover. Um, Because so few people were were covering at that time, um, six or seven years ago, a lot of the big technology companies are not in healthcare yet. Um, And now we're seeing them all, um, Apple, Amazon, Google, even Facebook. Um, So it seems like uh, the right thing to be covering now. Absolutely. It's a really exciting time to be in healthcare. Um, And I, speaking of sort of buzzy things, I keep seeing in healthcare news these words, blockchain and AI, popping up in healthcare tech. Um, Can you tell us what these words mean exactly and potentially what opportunities they present? Yeah, I mean, these are uh, huge trends right now, um, and there are lots of kind of jokes out here in Silicon Valley that the only people who say they're doing AI are the ones that are trying to raise venture capital money. <laughs> um, like, you're never going to hear a company like um, Apple talking about the, the AI that they provide on the healthcare side, because they're not really trying to impress anyone in that sense. Sure. Um, but, yeah. you know, the, the sort of AI trend, um, it's been... The way that it's been used has been so broad um, as to even kind of render the term a little bit meaningless. Um, but, you know, kind of the latest that, that people are talking about out here is that it's, it's definitely seeing some benefits, um, especially on the sort of operational side of healthcare. Um, so things like, you know, is that there a way that we could predict um, the number of supplies that we might need within our supply chain? And that's not as sexy as um, handing a tool to a doctor and having them use it make, to make decisions. But that's kind of where we're seeing it infiltrate at this point. And I just more think about it as, um, you know, how we might use sort of the latest tech or machine learning um, to take huge amounts of data that a human couldn't really assess um, with much speed and, and to do that very quickly um, to make to make decisions. And I think of it as something that um, a physician might be able to use as a tool, not something that will replace one. Um, and then you also asked about blockchain. So to be honest with you, I'm still grappling kind of where um, this whole uh, trend might sit within healthcare. But I think a lot of people are talking about it as a as a way to potentially, you know, detect fraud within the healthcare ecosystem. And there are lots of kind of use cases that are talked about beyond that. Um, but that's sort of kind of one that, that seems to make the most sense at this point. 
That's great. Yeah, I'm not sure I even really understand what blockchain is. And sometimes I feel like when I read about AI pitches, they sometimes seem like they're a, really a, just a data analytics tool or they, that they could be made in an Excel spreadsheet. Oh, yeah, that's that's kind of always my joke at a, at a conference that, you know, typically every time I kind of dig under the hood and try to see what these AI tools are that I'm getting pitched, it is just an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've definitely seen examples of, of where it's been overhyped. Um, most recently, looked at a, a company that had claimed to do advanced AI um, to try to figure out which of its patients were the most unhealthy so that they could call them first. And uh, for six months or so, they had a bug in in the software that that was reversed and they were calling their healthiest patients first, wondering why they weren't (laughs) making a dent on healthcare costs. So I think there's hype and then there's reality and, you know, anyone in the space should be thinking a lot about kind of the, the gap between the two. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so to jump into the topic today, um, as our listeners may know, last Tuesday, Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan Chase announced that they would be partnering to form this new company that would be dedicated to what sounds like they're specifically improving their own employee healthcare in the U.S. And I was reading a little bit about it, and it um, sounded like the focus of the company would be on tech solutions that would provide their employees and their families with a way to get more simple, high-quality health care, potentially at a reduced cost to them. Um, Now, this is certainly a lofty goal, and I keep hearing things about potential industry disruption. Um, Chrissy, can you tell us a little bit more about their partnership and what we can reasonably expect? Yeah, I wish I, I knew. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's, um, it's so vague at this point. And, um, you know, like you said, all that we can really glean is that they want to cut down on healthcare costs, I think, for themselves, probably even more than their own um, employees. And they want to use technology somehow. Um, and then all of that, I think, is separately from a bunch of the reporting that I've been doing about kind of Amazon's interest in healthcare. And Amazon's got like three or four different business units right now that are sort of exploring aspects of um, the healthcare business, whether it's kind of cloud or um, the, the pharmacy space or medical supplies. I mean, these are, these are all things that Amazon's interested in. But if you kind of take that as being separate and we just look at the announcement, um, you know, it's there's so many things that they could do. And, and yet, like, it's still not clear to me that they are going to do anything all that disruptive. Because we've seen these employee consortiums in the past. There's one um, called Dossia that shut down about five years ago that had AT&T and Intel and companies of that stature behind it that was trying to do the same thing and it didn't work. Um, so despite that, you know, we have some really big names behind this, I don't think we're going to know if they're serious until we see who they've hired, how much money they're investing into this and, and what they're going to do. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. Like maybe hopefully at best they might be some sort of group purchasing organization that they can negotiate costs down for the employees. Um, I'm not sure if that is a reasonable suggestion, but that might be something they yeah, can do with their size. That's absolutely a reasonable suggestion. And it's actually, um, I was reading a, a story that made me giggle um, from the Wall Street Journal that said that Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan had been spending you know, much of the weekend after the news broke calling up healthcare CEOs <laughs> and you know, trying to tell them to calm down um, 
and that he wouldn't be disrupting them and, and that they should stay with J.P. Morgan as clients. Oh, um, that's so interesting. And what he did apparently is liken um, that the, what they were trying to do as a, G, as a GPO, a group purchasing organization. So I think you're exactly right in thinking about it along those lines. That's so interesting that he needed to avail his clients of fears about their own industry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, look at what happens to um, healthcare stocks every time we see Amazon um, in the news about kind of its, its plans, because this is a company that could actually do something pretty big. And, you know, if you think about all the companies out there um, that, that really could, um, who would scare you more than Amazon? I mean, this is a company that is known for kind of cutting down on middlemen and finding a way to bring costs down that way. And there are a lot of middlemen in healthcare. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit more about Amazon? I mean, yeah, the thought of that is certainly um, seems like they could do impossible things just by knowing so much about their customers' preferences. Um, Do you know what's in the pipeline potentially for them or what they might be looking at? Uh, Well, if I were Amazon, I'd be looking at the sort of uh, personal health record space um, that Apple's been interested in as well, um, just because, as you say, they they already know so much about us based on just our buying habits. So if you combine that data with a a lot of uh, what you find in in a personal health record, um, you could end up with a really holistic health picture of a user, and that could all be stored in Amazon Web Services um, so that, you know, if you as a user got sick, um, that it would all be there, your you know, lab data, your procedures, all your medical claims and so on. So I could see them moving in that direction. And if they did, um, then you know, who knows what we could see from Amazon Alexa um, and the, the uh, home assistant technology that they're building. Already we see people in healthcare kind of trying out um, this voice assistant tech um, for all kinds of different reasons. And if we saw Amazon making moves to add, say, HIPAA compliance um, to that software, there's a lot more that could be done from there. And then, of course, they have the potential to disrupt kind of the the supply chain, both the pharmaceutical supply chain and then medical supplies and equipment. Um, And the latter, they're they're already starting to do and have been public about it. So there's just, I think, the sky is the limit for for what Amazon could do in the space. Wow, yeah, that is both exciting and potentially scary. Um, I know that Jeff Bezos, it seems like he's had a personal interest in healthcare going back to the 90s with um, like drugstore.com. And is do you think that um, he will continue? I mean, based on what you said, it sounds like that's definitely true that they are looking at addressing the supply chain side as well as consumer preferences. Yeah, great, great question. I was um, having a nerdy moment last week, and I decided that I would look at every single healthcare investment Bezos and his venture capital firm, <laughs> Bezos Expeditions, have ever made um, since the 90s. And there's quite a lot. And, you know, you see companies from kind of Grail to Juno Therapeutics to ZocDoc even in that list. Um, so it really runs the gamut from kind of biopharma to pure healthcare tech. And I was trying to think about what all of these companies that he's invested in have in common. Um, and probably the main thing is that these are ideas that would threaten a middleman, hmm. um, take a middleman out of the equation. And that's something that you see Jeff Bezos kind of having a passion for across every single industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I would say they have in common is that these are bold, crazy, ambitious ideas um, that are often far ahead of their time. 
you know, Grail, um, one of his big investments um, that Amazon actually invested in and Bezos through um, his venture fund. That is a is a novel technology that, you know, the, the idea is could we create a blood test to detect cancer? Um, so this is the kind of uh, scale that, that we see him, you know, looking at when it comes to healthcare. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did do something, you know, quite bold at Amazon in this space. And, and clearly he's been thinking about it for a long time. He sees some of the problems with it. Drugstore.com wasn't, you know, a huge success. Sure. So he knows it's a challenge. Um, so I, I certainly do take him seriously as, as someone to watch. Yes, this is a very important discussion. And for those just joining in, you're listening to The Business of Healthcare from Sirius XM 111. I'm Patricia Almanchi, and I'm joined by Christina Farr, a technology and healthcare reporter for CNBC.com, discussing um, healthcare today and opportunities in health and tech. We were just talking about Amazon's um, potential for disrupting U.S. healthcare and some of the exciting investments in the past and in the future they're making. Um, I, uh, Chrissy, uh, other than Amazon, are there other companies that we should keep on our radar? Well, uh, Apple, uh, for sure. This is, this is probably the company that's been making the sort of most, um, bold moves of late. Um, they talked about this medical record, but beta that they're releasing with the new iOS. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind that is if, is if you're, um, hospital, your clinic is a participating institution, and they're hoping that, you know, almost everyone will be um, within a short time, you'll be able to see a a lot of your medical information right there on your iPhone. Um, And right now, that includes things like your allergies, your procedures, and your your lab tests. Um, And that's that's big. I mean, this is something that, you know, as anyone knows who's had an experience with a healthcare system, it can be really challenging to access this data, and Apple wants to make it easy. Um, so I see that kind of as the plumbing or infrastructure for what Apple could do in the future. And, and I think the big vision there, if I were them, and I'm, I'm not going to say they're going to do this, um, would be, you know, to put some kind of health type product on the phone where you can launch it and immediately get, you know, telemedicine, online doctor booking, all of your medical information right there. And maybe it's kind of one of the main utility apps um, that comes in with the iPhone. So I could see them doing something that big. Wow, yeah, that would be really a game changer for just access to care. I mean, it's it seems like it should be a given that a patient owns their own healthcare record and data, but that's certainly not the case. And I've seen I've been in the ED many times when patients will ask if we will have gotten that they were at a different institution and they had all of these tests done and why don't we see them or why don't we know about them? But they may not be using Epic, which is what we use, and we may not be sharing their records. And it's usually almost easier to repeat tests, which is a waste of care, um, than it is to try and transfer records and get things faxed and uh, go through that yeah, whole process. Yeah, I mean, I think healthcare is pretty much keeping the fax machine industry yeah. alive. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Okay. I learned how to fax in medical school because I had never had to do it before. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I should write a story about that. Yeah. Millennial doctors who are using CD-ROMs and yeah. uh, disk drives and fax machines again. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And, you know, these medical record systems just built not to talk to each other. So it's absolutely a big problem. And um, and it was, it was I was really struck, actually. I spoke with um, Apple's COO, Jeff Williams, a few weeks ago, and he said, you know, frankly, I think people should own their healthcare information. 
So to see, you know, Apple at the executive level, at the highest level, coming out and publicly saying, like, this is our vision and what we want to bring to the table, you know, I really hope they can do it. Yeah, I hope so, too. That's very exciting. Yeah. And along the lines of the CD-ROMs, like um, I was in a room once where a patient brought a CD of a MRI and um, the computer that we had available was a Mac and there wasn't a CD disc. And I had to go (laughs) find like a different computer on the floor to try and upload this MRI then to get it transferred to our radiologist so they could read it and yeah, there's a lot of technology conversion issues. I know. And, you know, I refuse to believe, um, despite what, what people often tell me, that this is complex from a technology standpoint <laughs> because we can, we've had Dropbox for a long time, people. Yeah. Um, we, can, we can send the file electronically. Um, so it's, you know, there's a lot of issues that I think have conspired to, to make this um, still a, a reality today and brings healthcare kind of very behind compared to other industries. Um, so I think, you know, some people on the healthcare side are very skeptical about tech, but if they can come in and do something about these, these issues, I think we're all going to be better off. Sure. Yeah. I know that like, at least in med school, I had always thought that some of the issues around interoperability were issues around HIPAA compliance, that it was just hard for, um, to get access to information without a lot of consent and making sure that things were okay. And you talked about like Amazon uh, working on around working on getting HIPAA compliance. Um, do you know what that process looks like? In in my mind, it's very daunting. Yeah, it's. Um, I had a sort of an argument with someone the other day about uh, about HIPAA compliance. Um, you know, you often see people in the tech world um, kind of spelling it like hippo um, and kind of <laughs> calling it the big bad wolf. But, um, you know, I think one of the things to remember about HIPAA is that this was a rule that actually brought um, a lot of people access to their medical information when they didn't have it previously. Oh, um, and it does say that, you know, we as patients have the right to at least access um, this information. And of course, that's not the same thing as, as own. And we could get into a whole big debate about that. Um, but I think that, you know, it's an, it's important to safeguard patient privacy, and and the last thing we want is uh, our doctor kind of texting us some sensitive diagnosis and and our boss seeing it right there on our phone. Sure. Um, so I'm glad we do have some of those protections, and I, and I'm glad that we can also walk into a medical office and have some access to to our information. Um, you know, who who do we have to blame for the current uh, system of where we have this? lack of interoperability. I mean, I think it's kind of a lot of forces. Um, but I, I sort of think of it as ultimately a, a business model problem. Um, if you have a fee-for-service um, type of medicine, which we have today, uh, then what incentive is there to have this holistic picture of a patient? Um, if we know what tests you've had, then we don't need to duplicate them and duplicate duplicate tests these days in this fee-for-service environment can mean kind of more money for your bottom line. Um, so I think we need to change that, and then we'll kind of see this this kind of work itself out. Um, and thankfully, what I'm seeing is more hospitals and CIOs are pushing for this and telling their medical record vendor that it is extremely important. And companies like Epic and Cerner are talking about it now also as something that they know they need, they need to bring to the table. Um, as for HIPAA, you know, I think this is just going to open up um, a lot of new ideas for what they Amazon could do with Alexa um, right now you know if you if you're if you don't have it you're stuck kind of with the sort of wellness and fitness applications but if they could bring 
HIPAA to the table, then you could have a hospital using it to communicate kind of on a daily basis with patients with diabetes about their medications. Um, And that's sort of the tip of the iceberg. Um, There's so many great ideas out there and we just, we need the sort of right privacy and, and security around them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can think about so many opportunities for just like lifestyle choices. Like if your patient has high blood pressure and you want to put them on like a low sodium DASH diet, then your Amazon fresh order could be everything that was in compliance with that and like no no potato chips allowed or something. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I love that idea. Maybe we could even see them working with your insurance company and subsidizing some of this healthy food. If you have a medical condition, that would be truly disruptive, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you were you mentioned sort of the like policy uh, forces underlying some of these uh, challenges in healthcare, like the fee for service environment. Um, and then I know with the Amazon uh, announcement recently with Berkshire Hathaway and J.P. Morgan, it's, and we talked about them potentially being a group purchasing organization. It seemed like they're ultimately trying to address or optimize their employer-sponsored insurance. Um, I had read that like it, that employer-sponsored insurance is, in fact, the nation's second largest entitlement program behind Medicare, um, that it's a mm-hmm. staggering $600 billion of tax exclusion that employers end up facing. Do you think that um, they're that this might change in the future? Is there, I know this is entirely speculative, but is there opportunity for transformation here? Yeah, I mean, those that I spoke to in the in the wake of the announcement, um, you know, what they basically told me was that you have companies like Amazon and, and Apple and Facebook and some of the ones that we've mentioned. And when they think about their benefits and what they want to offer to your employees, it's a, quite a, you know, incredible set of perks. Um, and they do a lot for their for their talent. And I think that's about retention and attracting the right people. But if you want to kind of maintain that in the long run with kind of the, the situation that we're in now where costs just keep going up and up and up for employers, it's less and less sustainable. Um, so now they've come to a point where, you know, perhaps they're thinking, we want to continue to offer this style of, of benefits. Um, we don't want to leave our employees with these insane high deductible plans and taking and taking on the burden of even more healthcare costs themselves. Um, but, you know, we will break ourselves if, if we, you know, don't figure out some solution to this. And I could see them, you know, doing a lot to kind of bring down those costs, especially if you take the sort of brunt and the might of those three companies together and, and starting to negotiate better rates across the board. Um, who knows? I mean, the employer, um, if it could even be bigger. If Absolutely. the employer consortium or lobby got, got larger and larger and larger, it, it, this could be a very fundamental shift. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Christina. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us. We had a very interesting discussion of everything from healthcare disparities in cancer care to opportunities in healthcare technology for disrupting healthcare. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.